Hey everyone, it's Nate with Freight 360, and this week we're doing a special throwback episode on one of our most listened to podcast episodes ever. That's episode 102, How to Find Shippers. Ben and I will both be back with you next week for a brand new episode, episode 141. Until then, enjoy this throwback episode and go Bills. Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back to episode 102 of Freight 360. That's a lot of numbers in that intro right there. 102 of Freight 360. Ben, we're back again with a great episode today on how to find shippers. This one comes in high demand from our listeners. We actually, we just did a video on this too. We did because we got a lot of requests for this on YouTube and just, I mean, it's obviously one of the more requested topics. Um, It is. Absolutely. goes without saying, and and I'll be honest, you know, I, I, you know, lots of other people put content on this topic as well. And I don't know, I just feel like we've got a, a unique approach to this. So anxious to kind of dig in. I think there's gonna be a lot of good stuff for listeners on this one. I agree. I agree. So, hey, welcome back to Freight 360. If you've been with us for a while, if you're new here, welcome to Freight 360. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us, whether it's iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And that way you get the the latest episodes every Friday morning at midnight. That's Eastern time. So if you're on the West Coast, you get a sneak peek Thursday night. But uh, leave that five-star review. Leave that written review. It helps us rank good. Also, Make sure you check us out on YouTube, the Freight 360 channel. Hit that subscribe button there. That way you get all of our new videos. We've been been getting back in the habit of putting out all this great new content, video and blog-wise. And our website is finally launched. Officially. So everyone out there, if it's been a while. For months. If it's been a while since you've been to our website, take a look at it. It officially launched this week. Nate and I put a lot of work into this. Nowhere near as much work as our friends at Lean put into it. But I, I mean, I'm really happy with it. I think the look, the feel, and the functionality all are there. I mean, those are the big things that I think we wanted to make sure we're driven home. I, I think a, they did a fantastic job with yeah, it. Yeah, it's a searchable library now. And that that's, I think, is that's probably one of the biggest benefits of the site is, yeah, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes or you know Spotify or Google Podcasts. Or, now there's Facebook Podcasts. I think I got ours up on there. Um, and you can read our blogs and go to YouTube for the videos. But if you want to search through our library of content and you want to see just stuff on prospect or just stuff on carriers, it's all in there. You can just search now. It's great. So check it out. And, and also, there's a, there's a contact us form. So if you want to request an episode or a video or a blog, drop us a line. We've already we launched it like Monday. And we've already gotten like eight to 10 people reaching out. to. I actually talked to a guy on the phone today. Quite a few, actually. And yet to that same point, right? Like you and I listen to a lot of other podcasts. I consume a lot of educational material on a weekly basis, whether it's through an audio book or a podcast. But the thing that always frustrated me most was when I got a good author or somebody, I think that really puts out a lot of great stuff. Like I've never been able to search through anyone's like audio catalog to see. And then I'll hear other people reference other interviews. And I'm like, but where do you find this? Like you can't search through Spotify. That's the one I happen to use. I'm like, you can't really search for the different interviews. You just kind of scroll through them all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, right. we're building this whole library of content. We've literally, you know, 
hundreds of episodes. Now anybody can sit down and literally use our website to start learning. Spend some time in there. There's yep. a lot of info and a lot of different ways to consume it. And as always, check out the the training page in there. You can you can check out the Freight Broker Basics course and our, our group coaching. It's been going well. So a lot of folks join in. We've probably put, uh, we've had almost 100 people sign up through our website for the Freight 360 University. That's our teachable page. Yep. So it's been well. It's been going good. Yeah, first um, 30 days. It's been a good launch. Yeah. So let's talk uh, sports really quick here. Um, you guys can't see me, but I'm wearing my Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, number 17 blue Jersey right now. I have my fantasy football draft tonight and I'm in this new, I'm in this league this year. It's called a super flex league. Ben, do you play fantasy at all or no? I do not. <laughs> so in a normal fantasy league, you get one quarterback and a couple wide receivers and a couple of running backs. And then you get one flex position, which can be like a running back tight end wide receiver um, and then defense and whatnot. But so I'm in a super flex league this year, which adds an additional flex player. So you can have a second quarterback or like an extra tight end wide receiver running back. So I'm stoked. Cause now it's going to change up all the normally people just want to get a, you know, first couple of picks. They want to get like just wide receivers, guys that are going to just get Put super points. points. Yeah. yeah. But now you can pick a, like a, you want to pick a top QB fairly early on. So I'm looking, I'm like, Josh Allen, do I pick him first round? Do I do it? Pat Mahomes? I don't know. Christian McCaffrey is obviously a good one for all you fancy folks out there. He's a dual threat for uh, receiving and run- rushing yards. So, yeah, I'm excited. Preseason NFL, the Bills won. I think it was 16 to 15 uh, in Detroit last weekend. They are playing, I think, like Saturday at 1 o'clock this weekend. I mean, preseason is kind of a joke. But. I think Steelers play tonight, don't they? At least they were talking about on the radio this morning. I'm pretty sure they um, were talking about there being a pre-show. Because I listen to the station that does the pre-game and the, the local Steelers games are on the air on the station I listen to even down here. Okay. Could have swore. I know that they were talking about the Steeler over and under for this season is eight. So, so they're you, you 500. You don't play tonight. Steelers okay. are playing Saturday night against Detroit. And I think the over and under for their season they were talking about this morning is 500 for this year. <laughs> the Vegas over and under. Yikes, man. So basically what? So like a 500% winning percentage? Yeah. the over so and under, 17 they games, will, it's like, are they going to win eight? Or are they going to win nine? It's, it's actually eight and a half. So yeah, eight so, and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So it's eight and a half is the Vegas over and under wow. they were talking about. And, you know, guys, I've been listening to for, hell, 30 years, you know, cover Steelers football pretty pessimistic on their season this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the Browns are making their moves in your division. So we'll see. It's going to be, I'm excited overall. I think um, I see it on ESPN uh, quite often. They talk about, you know, these up and coming quarterbacks and who's going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. And um, they had like Josh Allen was one of them. Um, who else did they have in there? Baker Mayfield, obviously for Cleveland. There was someone else too. It's a younger quarterback. I can't, maybe it was Lamar Jackson, Um, but they're talking about all these, you know, it's not just the dynasty teams anymore that are actually like favored to go to the Super Bowl. Now we're talking about good old uh, Bill's mafia. So I'm looking forward to it, man. The Steelers though. I don't know. Big Ben is, I think he's just kind of old. So he's, he's younger than Tom Brady, but he looks about twice his age. So 
He yeah, looked he's older. Than, he looked older than Tom Brady does now, ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Wow. So anyway, that's uh, that's sports. I'm just super excited that we're back into football because now I don't have to talk about all the sports that I'm not super aggressively a, a huge fan of, like uh, hockey and. I mean, baseball, I'm a big fan of the Red Sox have taken a beating the last month. They just, as of last night, they had a doubleheader against the Yankees and got swept and they fell out of a wildcard position. So they went from first in the entire league, dropped down to first in the conference to first in their division to now then the wildcard. And now they're not even the wildcard. So it's just been a mess. All right. Enough about that. Our let's, friends uh, at DAT. Won't you yeah, let let's talk about have. our friends over at DAT. So take the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT load board network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America. Because they, they do have load link on with Canada too. It's owned by Transcorp. But connecting freight brokers with available capacity, which we all need right now, in any lane. So grow your business with the tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. So even outside of load boards, they've got all kinds of other tools to qualify carriers to make sure their authority is active. And you can see if they've had any kind of issues or if their insurance is up to date. And you can onboard new carriers with DAT's onboard tool right into their, their DAT TMS. So with the industry's leading freight rate data using DAT, what's the, what is it? Rate view. I love rate view. So you get a little snapshot in that power, but if you have the actual rate view tool, you can get all kinds of good stuff in there. It'll help you make clear and confident pricing decisions. So check out the link in the show notes for a free month of any of the three load boards that we always talk about power truckers edge and Ben express. Excited. See now you, you usually did the, the, the ad and now I'm, I'm reading it out today. So get your first month for free. Use the link in the show notes. All right. That's our friends at DAT. So let's talk uh, shippers, man. This is so. First of all, I want to premise this, okay? Shippers and carriers are both important to have in your toolbox, in your backpack, in your rucksack as a freight broker. You need both. You can't do your job without both of them. But in order to even have a carrier to haul a load for you, you need a customer to give you a load to haul, right? Yep. So we've said it before. This is the best best possible time in the market right now to be able to onboard new shippers. doesn't 100%. mean you're going to get all the freight, but you're going to have access to it. Okay. Yep. So, you know, take a look, let's say, you know, pre COVID or even fast forward, hopefully six, 12 months from now, when capacity levels out, it's a little bit harder to find shippers when they're not having as many issues, right? They're, you're going to get that objection. Oh, I'm happy with what I got right now. A lot more when they don't have issues, when they do have issues, they're going to take anybody they can in a lot of cases to give a chance to work on their freight. So I think that's the biggest difference. I think the biggest difference right now is you can get to the conversation much quicker, you know, in a market where it's, you know, very loose and you can get a carrier when you need one, the shippers you're probably going to have, you know, and we've talked about this. We talk about this number a lot probably between six and 12 conversations before they'll consider even adding you to the mix. It might be one or two right now. Yeah. Now it's, it's literally one, two, two, three phone calls and you're going to get a pretty good gauge on. And that's exactly what we're seeing. Hey, they have a hard line. We're not onboarding anybody right now. All right. So you slow play a little bit, or you're going to get the people that are like, 
hey, we are in need right now. Send us some quotes. They'll start sending you lanes to get an idea on where you are in pricing. I mean, that's the big, big difference between this market and the normal market. Yeah, because let's let's break that down a little bit, right? When the customer is not having a hard time getting trucks to their dock, right? They don't want to be bothered on the phone with brokers trying to onboard them as a new customer. They don't want to waste their time with it. They're focused on all the freight they got currently moving and they're happy, right? They're very, very uh, unlikely versus now to spend the time and talk to you. Whereas now when they've got all these issues, you know, they're not moving all their freight the way they want to and at the price they want to and with the carriers they want to and the time that they want to. So they're going to take whoever they can in a lot of cases to give them a chance. And what you just said, the biggest one right now is regardless of any other variable, everybody is paying more than they want to. So even the shippers that might not be having, we'll say like large issues, they're still open if somebody's going to be able to save them some money here and there because they're getting beat up by their boss, whether it's the CFO, the controller, somebody is above them going, hey, how do we reduce our shipping costs? How can we manage this? I mean, everybody's seeing on the news about inflation. One of the biggest reasons products are costing more and will continue to cost more through this year is shipping, especially overseas. And we'll get how that affects, you know, over the road. But, you know, a normal container might cost two, two grand to get into the country right now. Same thing. There's not enough capacity of boats or drage. So they're paying 500% about what they normally pay. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an extreme example, but double is is not uncommon right now, double, right? Yes. It, two, two and a half times. Like I think I, I mentioned it a couple of months ago, I was golfing with a guy who was saying that their, their cost to ship a flatbed was like two to three times what they normally pay. And it's one thing if you're in that traffic department or that procurement department and your freight cost fluctuates by 10 to 20% throughout the year, but when it doubles or triples, there's a lot of people that are way higher up in the food chain at your company that are raising their eyebrows like, what is going on in shipping right now? And a lot of times they're just not educated on it and they don't understand it. And sometimes these traffic managers don't understand why it's happening. And this, this is kind of going to lay the groundwork for um, you know, some of the first conversations that you can have with some of these shippers to educate them on this stuff. And we're going to focus on finding shippers today, not necessarily closing or mock calls or anything like that. This is more so sourcing and how to get the right information. But it's, it's a good point to, to address there. Absolutely. Where's right. your go-to place? Where, where's your favorite? I mean, if you're going to start and you were just to sit down this afternoon and you had to go build a book of business again, where would you start? What would be the first place you'd look? I'm going to probably, I'm going to use two different sources. I, honestly, I'm a huge fan of just the everyday items in my life. Mm-hmm. Right. And the second tool is Google. Cause the Google machine is pretty much it's, it's God when it comes to getting information. So when I say every day items or everything that I use, I think about, and you can't see me right now, but I think about the bottle of water that I've got on my desk or the calculator I've got there or my printer or my monitor or the snack I had earlier or what I had for breakfast or lunch or the grocery store I went to today. There's all, all these things got somewhere on a truck, right? And guess what? On the majority of things that you consume or eat, there's going to be a distribution company or a manufacturer type of location listed on there. And it's going to give you the city and state. You're not, it's not going to list the shipping manager and their phone number on there, but that's where Google can come into play. Now that's casting a very wide net, right? So let's say then I decide that 
you know, hey, I want to look at grocery items, right? I want to, I want to maybe not work for or move freight for Wegmans or for Costco, but I want to start moving meat, right? Or I want to start moving vegetables. So now you can simply do Google searches and just look up, you know, uh, meat companies in whatever area. And you can get a whole list of different companies that are, are, I don't want to say producing meat because they're, you know, it's animals that are grown, (laughs) but you know, they're packaging and they're shipping all the products out. Uh, But for example, like bottled water, like you can get a list of the top 20 bottled water companies and get them in your pipeline. It's very, very easy. Um, And we did this on a coaching session, I think with somebody at one point, or I don't know. I remember we did something with somebody where we did a simple, Hey, what are you interested in? And then we Googled it and found 20 other leads by going to a retailer that held 20 different brand brands of different items that they liked. I think it was like outdoor hiking equipment, something like that. Yeah. So yep. there's all kinds of ways to gather leads. Well, and that's where, and for more on this, you could check out our other episode and the video on prospecting with a purpose. But I mean, the long and short of it is, is we remember things we're interested in. It should be no surprise to anybody out there. The things that you are fascinated in or interested in, you tend to remember better, right? Yep. And what better thing to have conversations with a prospect about than things you already have an interest in. So we don't need to go through all of this, but just think about what in your life, whether it's an, an item in your room, whether it's an item in your bedroom, your office, in your car that you have an interest in, right? Like I spent a lot of time playing golf. Like I would start prospecting golf. I'm going to start looking at the major manufacturers of the companies of the clubs I play with. And then I'm going to start taking a look at some of the other clubs. Then I'm going to start looking at maybe golf bags, towels, golf balls. I could get into golf carts. I could get into sod moving actual material for golf courses. Right. I want to, I want to break this down and give a couple of little tips here too. Right. So there's obviously the big, big companies that are going to like your Callaway and your Title S and all that. Think about the smaller, newer brands that don't have their supply chain in order yet, right? And they're still open to different ideas and go to the retail level, right? New stores that may be opening up in a certain area with a new distribution center though, or even just smaller mom and pop outlets that might have LTL shipments going on. Like for example, in my town, Orchard Park, New York, there's a newer company that uh, is manufacturing putters and they're very like custom made high quality putters, but they ship countrywide. You mm-hmm. think they have a huge 3PL outfit? No, but are they shipping LTL on a regular basis? Absolutely. And they probably don't yeah. have a logistics guy or gal in there that knows how to do it. Those are great companies to target and just, just think, and you just think about the reasoning why, like I just said, they don't have an expert in there. They don't have a parent company. These are brand new companies and if they're not getting their product to their consumer quickly, it's going to cause an issue and they won't have that repeat business and bad, bad feedback. And the other thing is like the value you add to them on the receiving end is much higher because they don't have all of this experience. They probably don't have a lot of brokers. They might not have any brokers at all, right? Like they're just getting into their own. So, and a lot of times the smaller companies or even the midsize, small to midsize companies are much better to go after than these huge companies that everybody thinks are going to be where the money is because that like they see the value and they're willing to pay a margin for it. Right? Like when you think about it, 
a shipper having one person over there and moving. And we always use this number is like, if it's about 20 loads per week, that's more than one person should be able to handle. Right. Yep. So there's enough loads falling out. There's enough trucks breaking down and just general transportation issues that they'll need a broker there. And when you think about it, put yourself in that person's shoes. Well, they're dealing with their other three or four loads every day that are coming up. When they've got a fallout, they want to be able to get that off their desk to a broker that they can trust to handle it. They're willing to pay a little bit more so that they can make sure the rest of their loads are good, right? And that's Absolutely. a good deal for them, right? And that's the way you've got to think about it. It's worth them paying an extra $300 or 18% on that load so that they don't have to worry about whether or not it'll get picked up. So, you know, a broker worth their salt is very valuable to them. Now, that same broker might call um, Kellogg's for whatever reason, you know, a huge company, and they might be working with seven brokers. So they know they'll get their load covered. They're just worried about the rate. They might have two, three people have a truck. It's in a much different position. And the value proposition to that shipper is much different. Right. Yeah. So I want to hit on this too, is um, people often ask us, should I prospect in person? And I'm not saying you should go knock door to door, but keep your eyes peeled. If you've got an organization or a company in your area, like I think about Buffalo, right? We have Morton Salt, which is probably an hour or so east of us out in Silver Springs in New York. We have um, General Mills, which makes cereal in downtown Buffalo. We've got the uh, Ford stamping plant in Lackawanna which is, I don't know, 10 minutes south of Buffalo, right? These are places that people will drive by over and over and over. And if you start seeing changes, so you're not spending time knocking doors or just cold calling, walking in. But if you start seeing, hey, they're expanding this facility or they're adding a new facility or something happened, right? If you just start to notice it, that should be a trigger in your mind of, hey, this is a great time to try and reach out to these folks and try to get into their procurement cycle or try to get into the, um, you know, the transportation provider list. So, and we'll talk about Google alerts in a second here about how to, how to do that for places that aren't necessarily in front of your eyes, but just little things like that. But I think, I think making notes of places you drive past is a good one because I, I think for me, yes, I would obviously rather prospect in person if you can talk to somebody face to face. It's the time spend, right? Like it's the investment in time, right? The ROT, if you will, right? Like what is your return on that time? And it's like to knock doors. And I've done this. I did it as a banker when I first started in that industry. And I would walk around, we literally knock doors and try to open checking accounts back. And it's a lot of work. And you don't get to as many of them as you can on the phone. My thought is always, hey, like you said, make, make a note, make sure you add them to your prospect list later, call them, try to work in at least a couple of conversations. Now that you've got some connection with them, now schedule an appointment, now drive out, maybe offer to go drop donuts off or grab a cup of coffee in the morning or, you know, whatever that is. Absolutely. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of ways to, to gather leads like that. We, and we talked about them on a previous episode too. Um, you can use a chamber of commerce website. So like, for example, yep. your state or your county, like, or maybe even your city or town will likely have a chamber of commerce website. And it's a directory or a listing of all the businesses that are registered in there. And it'll, you can a lot of times sift through by their industry. Like you can look at steel companies or food 
food items, beverage items. You can really, really drill down on some of these good chamber of commerce websites um, and you'll get their corporate address, right? And that's a good place to start and build up your list of these um, different companies. You even mentioned one that there's a directory through that's offered through like libraries. I can't remember what it was called. Yes. It's called resource USA. And if you yes. have a library card, you can usually access it through your local library's website and the number in the card. Like I have my local library. I go in there, I go to their website. There's a link to resource USA and it's free. It's really cool because I'm pretty, I'm, I know the libraries have to pay for it because like you get NAICS data, you can search by the sick codes. You can really search by anything. Yep. You can get into company hierarchy. You can see who owns them, how many branches they have, other companies that are associated with them. Like it's, it's very similar to like DNB or like the, um, what's the other one you pay for? Dun & Bradstreet and. So there's, there's the produce loop. Yeah, the produce blue book is so DNB is the one that has the Duns number. So the Pro yeah. produce blue books are paid for directory in the produce realm. Um, there's the well, the nice thing before we go past that, you know, the produce blue book is really nice because when you buy it, you get a number as a broker, and when yeah. you're prospecting out of it, like, and I've done that, like the prospect, you know, they'll be like, hey, Joe's watermelons, he'll be like, hey, you calling me out of the blue book. And I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. How you doing, Joe? He's like, hey, what's your blue book number? And I, th I think it's a number. And yeah. you literally give it to him. And he's like, oh, okay. And he can see your information. They can see a little bit about you. Yep. It gives some trust and credibility, like right out of the gate. Yeah. There, I mean, there's other paid for stuff like Hoover's, right? You can go on the Hoover's yeah, website. Hoover's is the one I was thinking. Okay. Yep. yep. DMB is another one, obviously, done at Bradstreet. Uh, but these are always to gather just companies, right? Company names. And then the next, yep. the next step is there's tools you'll want to use to figure out more specific drill down information about these companies. Okay. And I want to talk through Google and I want to talk through LinkedIn as tools. I want to, I want to leave one more point on the last topic for retransition. When you talk about everyday items, there was a guy I used to work with that, um, when he would go to the grocery store, he would take pictures of all the um, manufacturer buy labels on the stuff that he thought he wanted Smart to prospect. And guy. he would come in every morning and just go through his pictures. I mean, he didn't go to the grocery store every day, but you get the idea. The point is, this is something that like you just don't think about, but we're not shopping every day the same way we used to in stores. But like it is another great way. Like if you're at Dick's Sporting Goods and you just take a picture of the manufactured label on the tennis racket, on the shirt you bought. Wherever you are, these leads are there is the point that I wanted to get across. And an extra three seconds to snap a photo. When you go to sit down, you've got a couple more leads too. Yeah, there's there's no shortage of leads out there, but those are some tips to, to get the names of the companies. Now, let's talk about gathering the right information. So for example, Google, if you just typed in a name of a company, you're going to find usually their address, phone number, et cetera. So I think I used the example we used in the, in the shorter video version of this topic, I used, I looked up plastic manufacturers in my area. Okay. And I came across Kerbel Plastics. They do, I think it's like plastic mold injection and they, they, they make a lot of parts. They're a supplier for a lot of other companies. So they're shipping a lot of stuff from their location to other companies. So they're a B2B type of uh, organization. And I typed it and I found Kerbel Plastics and it gave me their corporate address and their phone number. And then I took that to LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, you can find the company. So Kerbel Plastics. And I found I had two connections on my LinkedIn profile that I know that work there. Now, 
for whatever it's worth, they worked in marketing, but I could also see the other two to 300 other employees that I wasn't connected with. And I could see them listed on LinkedIn connected to that company's page. And I could see by job title. So if I see marketing, it's one thing. If I see procurement specialist or traffic department, something like that, shipping manager, and bingo. Let's go through those. I yeah. mean, some of, the, some of the common titles, I'm always going to throw in for keyword searches, transportation, logistics, and shipping are my three go-to, right? And then some of the lesser used ones are sometimes dispatch, right? Um, traffic. Um, logistics coordinator is a big one that you see a lot. Yeah. yeah. Logist- and logistics usually gets that. What are some of the other titles that you can think of? Procurement, sourcing. And lumber traders, a big one. Like a lot of the people that will tender their loads are the people trading the actual lumber. And, and um, produce, they're produce brokers. Yep. So they're actually brokering the the purchase of the produce, the actual goods themselves. They're not a freight broker. They're just a produce broker. Um, I met a guy that when he first got into freight brokering, um, he came from the rubber and tire industry and he was a tire broker. So they would, yeah. they would buy used tires and broker the sale of a bunch of tires. And a lot of times they were sold to another company that then turned them into like rubber mulch or things like that. Rubber pallets to be made into like a track or mm-hmm. stuff like that. But part of that, anyone that brokers a commodity part of that process is to transport it in a lot of cases. So there's going to be the, the shipment and the transportation piece that you can come into as a freight broker. So that's big with produce brokers too. Like they almost always tender their loads. Yep. Um, they're responsible for them the same way they're responsible for the actual goods that they secured. Think it's about, like the goods and the transportation. Think about auction sites too. So like vehicle auctions, whether it's a repo lot or um, heavy equipment auctions. If you, if people are selling used tractors, combines, things like that, um, used heavy equipment, used generators, used uh, diesel engines. I mean, that stuff all, someone's going to buy, but it's usually got to get shipped across the country. And that's where you can come in and, and uh, you know, do your job as a freight broker. So, but yeah, using Google to get the correct information. So you know who where that company is located and that it's the right company. Cause a lot of companies out there have similar names, right? And then using a company or a, a site like LinkedIn, or you can even use, if you want to pay for like zoom info, it's a little expensive, but you can get um, contact information that's based off their email signature. And um, it's fantastic. It is. I mean, it's, zoom in. Yeah, you're paying for it. That's one of the it's caveats. A- game changer in regards to the amount of time it used to take to do some of those things. I mean, I genuinely don't, I don't even know what it costs. Was it about 700 a month? What yeah, I think I used to pay like five grand for the year. Yeah. So, so yeah, that probably, it's probably about that. But I mean, just for anyone out there, like if you have this or you can get the company to swing it, like you can genuinely just put the company name right into it. Then you click employees. Then you type in under the contact title name instead of their person's name. Like I said, transportation, shipping, logistics, and it will literally populate everybody in that company that has that word in their job title. Yeah. And then when you drop down, it'll if their email's in there, and in most cases it is, and their direct phone line which means like all of this other time that you're spending to do this gets boiled down into like literally moments. Yes, it's at a cost, but remember, even if you aren't paying this, you're paying for it in time. One way right. or another, you're paying. You get what you pay for. Absolutely. There's, there's no doubt in that. Um, and I will tell you, if you are a W2 broker, 
there is a high chance that there's a CRM in your company's TMS or some kind of CRM. Don't just assume that because there's a list of leads that people have been using for years that they're garbage because that is a gold mine right there. Right? And depending on where you work, there might be rules on who you can tag yourself with and you know who you can put in your name and start calling on. But um, so one of the mistakes I made when I first got into this business is I was given a CRM that had like, I don't know, 1500 leads. And I was like, ah, I was reading the notes on them. And like, these are all dead. And I started calling through them and doing like email campaigns. And I'm like, these aren't so dead. Maybe I'm just better at this job than the person before me. So, well, that's a big thing, right? For our W2 brokers out there, I couldn't agree with that more. One of the things that um, I would train when I worked at the bigger brokerage was I'm like, some people would just not read the notes because they didn't want to be like, negatively influenced by somebody that might not know what they're doing. Right. Because remember in a lot of these companies, those leads are used to train people. So I always said, read them because at least then you, you knew the guy maybe at least got their name, right? So you could probably pull something valuable out of it, even if they didn't know anything, right? Like, oh, okay. The shipping manager was Joey, right? Okay. That's probably accurate. The rest of it. I always felt like, yeah, read it, but you've got to confirm it anyway. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I could think of there is there was a woman that worked at that company and I'll, I'll never forget being like, I guess, jealous, kind of envious. She was calling through what we thought were garbage leads, right? They're just ones that you wouldn't think would have anything in it. And she closed like a fish food customer and was making like $250,000 a year off this one customer that shipped seafood, not seafood, fish food out of like this really tiny location somewhere in like the middle of the country. And she'd had that customer for like four years. Like she literally like changed her life, this random phone number at this tiny little company no one ever heard of. I I had a similar situation. I had, um, I came in, I absorbed someone else's old CRM. I recycled some of my leads couple of years later, we hired somebody and she got some of the recycled leads. And one of them was a lead that I had received myself and then recycled. Mm-hmm. And the first call, she's like, uh, she friggin' she nailed it. And, you know, it was a, it was a, like, she hit it out of the park, but it was, it was almost like, sometimes it's timing. Sometimes it's, there's a new person working at just that company. Say that. There's all things. kinds of things. And that's why I will never unless I like get pissed and I can't stand somebody, I, I won't throw out a lead and call them dead anymore unless I can fully, truly disqualify them. And, and that's the reality, right? Like timing is very big in this industry. It's, and, and we talked about this a lot. It's that some, they're working with another broker and eventually yeah. something's going to go wrong. And whether or not that broker does the ethical thing, the right thing, or what you would do is where these opportunities come from. Yep. You'll never be able to predict them. You'll never know until you pick up the phone and check, but that's where that's saying, right? Like t- what is luck? It's when opportunity meets preparation, right? Yep. If you are making the dials, you will run into these opportunities. You'll never know before though. And I want to hit on one more point before we get into our Q and a, but this is one of the benefits of like your quantity of calls and your quantity of follow-ups. I've had people that I, I had reached out to 20 plus times and this is, this is on the agent recruiting side. And, you know, I hadn't talked to him in years and then I'll get a, a random phone uh, call or a text on my cell phone. And they're like, Hey, it's been a long time. Can we talk? And it's like, because of the repetition, they knew who I was and what I could do for them. 
And when they needed something that I aligned with, they knew who to call. I wasn't one of the other folks that tried one time and that was it. It's literally why we're both on this show right now, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's exactly <laughs> why you and I connected and ended up becoming business partners was because of exactly that, that you did when I was a broker. And then when time came, I was like, he definitely knew his shit. And that's definitely somebody like, I feel like there's some re- there's something in there. And then yeah. we continue to connect after that. There you go. So, hey, put the dials in. We, we, we can never can never skip that on any episode as you got to put the dials in. So, um, well, good stuff. That's a that's a one on one level on how to how to get and find shippers. Um, let's get into some Q&A here. I got three questions today. I love this first one. Before we dig into that. All know, right. You got any more final f- thoughts on that? No, not necessarily final thoughts, but I was going to kind of use that as a segue into our friends over at Lean. I mean, whether it's time or whether it's looking for additional people to make more calls, Lean Solutions Group likely has that solution for you. You know, Nate and I talked about this earlier in the episode that they've done a great job with our website. In fact, we just signed our agreement for them to handle a good portion of our marketing as well going forward today. Um, So practice what we preach. They're great folks over there. If you're looking for more capacity for carriers, looking for more sales reps, or just need more bodies and seats, it's a great solution where they have their near shore office in Columbia. And I believe they just broke, what, 4,000 employees they now have done? Yeah, Trey was telling us, I think it's 4,000 employees and um, they like doubled their customer size. They're obviously doing something right, so. Yeah, I mean, and they're they're doing a great job. Everybody we know that's worked with them have great things to say. Yeah, and props to them on uh, an awesome website they've done for us. I look forward to, the, the marketing work they're going to do for us moving forward. So leangroup.com is a link in the show notes. All right. And hey, good catch now. I almost ran right past our, 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 our boys and girls at lean there. I don't want Trey yelling at me. Uh, <laughs> all Dropping right. So first question here is I'm burned out and sick of dealing with the stress of my bosses. Where should I go? So there was more context to this question. The guy basically said he's a W2 employee and he got promoted twice and it's like, my bosses are assholes. I'm sick of the same stuff every day. This nine to five drag. And he's like, I think I just want to get out of the industry. What should I do? And my first thought is all this guy knows, he only knows the W2 world, right? This is where, uh, first of all, you can go to our brokerage and still be an employee and maybe you'll have better leadership there. But yeah. this is where folks that don't know about the independent agent model should learn about it and should open their eyes and do like a little bit of research. You could still broker freight. You can make a lot more money assuming you've got a book of business now and you don't have a boss. You're going to get your customers moved over, move their freight, dispatch, track and trace. But once that load is delivered, you're not worrying about billing customers, paying carriers, dealing with claims. You don't have a boss to tell you didn't make enough calls one day or that your numbers dipped for a month or whatever. Um, you are your own boss at that point, and you are responsible to, to manage your own time, and you get a much bigger piece of the pie when it comes to it. So I'm always a fan of look for those um, 1099 independent contract roles. It's definitely a, uh, a you know an option for you. But if you're honestly burned out of broker and freight, I don't know. What do you think, Ben? Some people just you know you here's another thing too. You don't have to just be in the trenches brokering. There's other ways to be in this industry and not so many be different roles. Role. Yeah. And I mean, if we had this person here, I mean, we'd probably dig in and ask them a lot more questions about what they liked about their job, what specifically it was that was stressing them out because 
you know, it could be leadership and it could be that it'd be a great fit in another W2. It might be that they have children and need more time and the stress between both of them is what's driving them nuts. And maybe, hey, that, you know, the agent model is the solution. Um, yeah. But that's me the direction the, I would have pushed them. Honestly. Yeah. It reminds me of the the uh, episode and blog post that we have recently on leadership. It's a huge one. And I think you did a video on it. So yep. good stuff. Uh, next question is, what software can I use to keep a list of my carriers and the lanes that they run? Um, so a lot of people will use Excel for this, and it's not a bad way to do it. But I would encourage you, if your TMS has the capability to track all this information, you should essentially be using your TMS to be a CRM for your carriers, not just your customers, right? Because it's going to be who are they? What's their MC? How long they've been around? How many trucks do they have? What kind of equipment do they have? Is it flatbed, reefer, van, you know, some specialized open deck, straight trucks, whatever. And where do they like to pick up and where do they want to go to? So you can see in your lane history, a lot of this information if your TMS has it. But let's say you don't have that, right? Um, you can start compiling it in a spreadsheet yourself. And DAT's directory also will tell, will tell you preferred lanes. So that's my advice on it. Do you use a spreadsheet, Ben, or what's your, uh, what's your go-to? Mine would be first take a look at your TMS. If it doesn't, the second option I would say is take a look at Ascend because I know their TMS does do it and it's free. And you've got to put your carriers in there when you book the lanes anyway, unless they're referring to lanes their carriers say they run that they haven't run. In that case, then I would put them in Excel. And yeah. I would just have lists of the carrier, you know, the desired lanes that you can look at very quickly. Excel yep. is going to be your best way or, you know, your Google sheet to be able to do the same thing. Yeah. I know you mentioned Ascend. So Ascend has a free version, which is a very, very basic level TMS. And they have a paid version as well. But if you use the link in our episode notes with our promo code listed there, you get a free month of their paid for version. So take a look at that. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Last question. This is about produce and it's about claims. So how do I handle a produce claim? Well, let's not talk produce for a second. Let's just talk claims and how that process works. Have you, have you ever had a claim before, Ben? I have had plenty of claims. <laughs> it's the thing that nobody ever wants to have, but it's kind of a, it's almost a necessary evil in this industry because it tells you that you're doing enough business when you come across some claims um, unless you just have really bad luck. Like I had a lady that her fourth day on the job had a truck start on fire. And I was like, well, we're off to a good start, but, uh, claims will happen. It could be that product was damaged. It could be that there was a, it could be a fire, right? The truck started on fire. There was an accident, I had one, right? I had an accident and the truck burned to the ground in one. Yeah. So the way that a claim works is, um, someone in your brokerage. And if it's just you, it's going to be you're wearing that hat. If you're an agent, there's probably a person that does claims. If you're W2, you probably have a claims team or department. Um, it's the broker's job to facilitate the claim. Uh, now, the way that it works is the motor carrier carries a cargo insurance policy to cover damage to the cargo that they're hauling. Okay. Um, so the broker, so in, it could be your claims team or yourself, if you have your own authority, should be in contact with the insurance provider for that motor carrier to go through that um, adjuster process to figure out what happened, who was at fault, yada, yada. Um, that way your customer gets reimbursed for their shipment that was damaged. Okay. So that's regular freight. Now let's talk produce because a lot of 
unless you have anything you want to add in there before I had produce. All right. So produce is kind of a different animal. There's, there's a higher level of claims with produce because a lot of it is temperature controlled. So let's say you've got um, some kind of fruit. Okay. And it has to be kept at a certain temperature and it could be the reefer unit breaks down and, and, you know, in the process of the shipment, or maybe it, the, um, the BOL had the wrong reefer temperature on it that the driver received from the shipper um, or the receiver um, told them to open their doors, but didn't have them unloaded fast enough. So the food product spoiled. There's all kinds of issues and everyone's going to point fingers as to who's to blame for it. Okay. So there is uh, something called a USDA. It's the United States Department of Agriculture. There's a USDA inspection. And if you're in Canada, they have their own um, organization that's the same. It's not the same name, but they do the same thing essentially. And usually depending on where you're located, they can have an inspector come out the same day, but usually within 24 hours. And, and this is something that the receiver would have to request is this inspection. And because the receiver doesn't want to be the one to, to blame for it. They want to make sure that they can get the, um, you know, get the blame off of them. And also the drivers doesn't want to get blamed either. So what will happen is the inspection team will come out and they'll do what's called a uh, pulping of the product. So they will stick a needle thermometer inside um, the product to get the temperature and they'll do an analysis to try and figure out what exactly happened. Now, even, I mean, pulping is something that happens normally in produce shipping, right? Usually though, they could yep. pulp like every when they load it and they usually do it. Like yeah. They do it when they load it and usually unload it. Right. So that they know what the internal temperature is. And yep. I mean, that's also because of a lot of unscrupulous people, right? Like, Hey, we know this has been kept at the wrong temperature. Hurry up, throw it in the freezer, cool this down. So we get into the truck. Meanwhile, the internal temperature is 20 degrees above what it needs to be. Yep. It never had a chance to make it there to begin with. That's why you pulp it in the beginning. Yep. Absolutely. So that's, that's a good way to get ahead of a claim. Um, so that's a, that's a good way to go about doing it because you can, you can find out a lot of stuff like they, the inspection might determine that um, only the portion at the rear of the trailer was damaged. So that would tell you that, well, it's probably not the shipper's fault because yeah. obviously the only part that was damaged was the part that was by the door that was open. So now it's going to either be on the driver who just happened to open the door on their own or it could be the receiver who had an employee that said, open your doors and they didn't unload fast enough. So yep. that's my tip when it comes to produce claims. Um, produce can be a nightmare and a, and a terrible thing. It's, it's never a, it's never a bad idea to do, you know, a little bit extra um, housekeeping CYA. on produce loads. So CYA cover your ass, make sure it's it. reefer. They have the right shoot in there. Make sure you're asking the drivers to pulp the product to check these things prior and then make sure you know the difference between cycling and continuous on a reefer and make so sure, make sure, make sure your driver here, here's another thought too, right? Make sure your driver has enough fuel in their reefer unit. So they're not going to run out mid haul. Um, also uh, get pictures of the temperature when it's being, uh, when they're leaving after everything's loaded. So you can have all this proof. Um, make sure, you know, your driver's hour of service. So they have enough hours to get where they're supposed to go. So they're not going to have to turn off their truck and run out, of, uh, run out of gas before they can refill the reefer unit. So little stuff like that. Fahrenheit versus Celsius. I've seen that one. <laughs> that would give you a really big mistake right there. <laughs> oh, you said zero degrees. You thought you meant Fahrenheit. Now, you know, let's say you meant or two degrees. And now it's frozen instead of uh, just above yep. freezing. So 
Yeah, it could be a bad thing. Good stuff. Well, good episode, man. Hey, if you guys are uh, want to hear any any more specific information, just hit that contact sheet up on our contact form on our website, Freight360.net. You can let us know what you want us to hit on a future episode or do a blog or a video on. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely do the best we can. We got a lot of lot of stuff in the pipeline. Um, what do we got? We got a guest on next Blythe week. Next week. Yeah, Blythe next week. You'll have uh, Chris Jolly, the freight coach, on the week afterward, right? I won't be yeah. on that one. I'm having a baby. You're Maybe having a baby. So next week, Blythe from Digital Dispatch. And she also has her show now on Freight Waves. That's right. Yeah. And the week after, yes, it will be me and Mr. Jolly. Awesome. Uh, sitting in for Nate, who will be father of two, hopefully by then. Yeah, I will. I definitely will be because we have a C-section two days prior to the recording. So I'll probably be either just getting home from the hospital or uh, in the hospital. So good stuff. Either way. But I will be excited to listen to it when I edit it and it'll be released that Friday. So, well, good stuff, man. Any any final thoughts? Well, hey, let's do some predictions on your football. You got the Steelers playing Detroit. Are they going to lose? I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. Bills. Bills are playing Chicago. I think the Bills are actually underdogs. I think it's like a six, six and a half point spread. Um, that's preseason. You it's know, it's preseason. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a weird animal. But uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up here? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Until next time, preseason football, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.